Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Freeman Means Business Wonder Women in Business podcast. Everyone has a story, and on our podcast, we love to give a voice to the women whose story is moving, meaningful, and compelling. I just can't tell you how excited I am today to have Julie Kratz on the show. I have been a guest on Julie's show, and we just really have this synergy. It just And we both share common values, and desired outcomes are the same. So I'm super excited to introduce you today to Julie Kratz. Julie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Susan. Ah, I can't tell you how excited I am to have you share your voice. First of all, folks, Julie is also a podcast host, and she has this amazing, creamy, buttery tone of voice, and her content is fabulous. Her delivery is fabulous. You're going to love this show. Julie, tell us about yourself. I don't know if I've ever heard my voice described as creamy before. (laughs) That's a good positive affirmation for me. So thank you, Susan. Wonderful. I feel now I feel pressure to lower it and slow it down. The highest listen rate ever. I'm so excited to be here. And I love your work on gendered communication. I know we're going to have a ball today. Thank you. Thank you. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you do for your day job. So I am CEO and founder of Next Pivot Point, and I've been doing that line of work for six years. Before starting my own business, I did the corporate America thing. So I spent about 12 years in corporate America as a people leader for most of that. And I like to say I kind of went through the motions that you're supposed to go through, climbed the org chart and did the things you're supposed to do, check the boxes that you're supposed to do on those development plans. And you know, I was kind of following the rules by everyone else's standards, but maybe not by my own in hindsight. So it was really at that 12-year mark that I decided uh, I had a newborn baby. I was the breadwinner. It was certainly was not, it's never the right time to start a business. But I can say I really pivoted into my own speaking and training business focused on inclusive leadership then because I really decided that the world had to be better for my little one. It just became really clear that gender equality and overall diversity inclusion issues weren't going away. In fact, I was seeing it get kind of worse and it's stagnant uh, at best, despite our best efforts. And I wanted to be a part of the solution uh, rather than continuing to uh, complain about the problem and voice concern over the problem, which I had for most of my corporate career. And the thing that I'm most excited about today and the work that I do so relevant to have a positive workplace culture where everyone feels seen and heard and that they truly feel a sense of belonging. And oftentimes for women, for people of color, for people that are underrepresented in organizations, they just don't have that same feeling as the majority group. And so I teach leaders how to lead inclusively and get all the voices into the conversation, whether that's your meeting rooms or virtual Zoom rooms, wherever those are nowadays. And make sure that people are seen, even in a virtual work environment, and that they truly feel a sense of belonging. Because we know if people don't feel those things, just like me in corporate America, they're going to leave. They're not going to stay a place in a place that they don't feel that they belong. So that's my life's work. That's a big challenge I've got, Susan. Yeah. You know, I love what you do. And everyone who listens to my podcast knows why. Um, but you are remarkable in that you... Um, you're making your, so in my, in my view, in my view, 
you are helping leaders to recognize latent needs. They may not have even known they needed to change. They may not have even recognized that they were not being inclusive because we live in our bubble. We project, we assume the rest of the world thinks, acts, speaks, and behaves the way we do. Um, and so it's really great that you're not blaming them and throwing them under the bus and just saying that's not good. You're actually giving them alternatives and awakening them and maybe recognizing things in their leadership that they themselves did not recognize. And I think that makes for a better leader when you're open to listening to Julie and learning from Julie. So um, thank you. Thank you. Everyone should be thanking you for what you do. Oh, that means a lot to me. And I agree. I mean, self-awareness is a gift. Yes. Rarely do you have a leader that's willing to fess up that I'm not inclusive. <laughs> I want, you know, I could use some help with diversity, you know, instead yeah. they're kind of running the other direction and so afraid when HR or somebody like me comes in and talks about and, it. And you know, the people who recognize that in them are afraid to tell them. So you're the perfect salve on that wound. But uh, let me ask you this. You, I think that you've had a lot of great professional accomplishments. You've had a lot of uh, experience. I think you have done a really great job of um, taming that dragon of entrepreneurship because I know it's hard. There's never a good time to start your own business. That was the truest thing you've ever said. Uh, it is scary. Let, what about along your path has been your favorite or the story you like to tell most about your accomplishments? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting um, when people say, oh, did you always know you were going to be an entrepreneur, start your own business or be a writer? And I can say the writing thing was something from a young age, a common thread of who I am. And one of the things I wanted to do when I grew up, but the entrepreneur thing, you know, I, I went back to school and got my MBA full time partway through my corporate career. And there, I remember there was an entrepreneurship academy and I thought to myself, why would you go back to business school to start your own business? <laughs> so funny thinking that now, how much that would have been helpful to have gotten that content. <laughs> Little did I know. You're getting quite an education hands-on right now, I'm sure. Well, I studied marketing instead, which people do tell me, You're, you do a great job with your marketing. Like, I certainly would hope so. I've invested quite a bit <laughs> into that myself. Yeah. You don't want to know how much that costs. Uh, yeah. But I will say, Susan, the six years I've been running Next Pivot Point, it's been, there have been pivot points. Uh, there have been transition points along the way. And probably the most telling one was about halfway through my journey so far, three years ago, I was really stuck. And a lot of entrepreneurs run into this. What, what makes you successful the first couple of years is responding to needs and being curious and just willing to say yes to everything. Well, that got me into a point where I was working with one client exclusively 80% of the time, which happened to be women leaders that I, I really enjoyed the work, but I was on the road three days a week on airplanes every single week and away from my family. And I wasn't able to serve or grow other clients as a result of that. And so I remember three years ago thinking, how do I pivot? You know, it's saying yes to a steady flow of work as an entrepreneur is very hard to do, but it was something I had to do. And I chose to really think intentionally about it and map out a transition plan. So I let that client know that at the end of that year that I would be pivoting and, and that I would 
no longer be as available to this work, certainly as needed. If we find something that truly aligns, you may be more strategically, I'd be happy to do that. And that was hard, Susan. I mean, that was a really hard decision to make. And I'm so thankful in hindsight because I had my book come out that fall, One, How Male Allies Support Women for Gender Equality. And that was 2017, right before, if we remember, Me Too (laughs) came through the headlines. The same day my book was released. And so this momentum, just this need for men as allies in a very scary time was perfect, perfectly timed to spread that message. So that pivot, I will say those first few months were terrifying. Lots of sleepless nights about I'm not going to get new clients and not, you know, all the negative self-talk really, really affected me, but I'm so thankful I did the hard thing. And and that's the thing for listeners, do hard things, (laughs) just lean into it. Because on the other side is usually something really beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. The the way you tell the story again, I mean, you, so, so people are often afraid to talk about their proudest accomplishments and what have you. But you bring me in there. I'm like with you. I'm like, oh, yeah, going down this path. And so the most important takeaway for me, just as an entrepreneur who just started her business two years ago, is what you said about you do have to pivot. And what worked in the first three years may not work in the second three. You know, especially now, you know, here I am and you two with COVID-19. <laughs> we, can't, we can't travel the country. We can't, you know, present in person or do our workshops hands-on. So. Um, Let me ask you this. Did you have a mentor along the way? Yeah. Yes. I'm a huge fan of allies and I engage my allies as well. And mentors are a great form of allies, people that can be helpful to you. And uh, if you think about it, you love language, right, Susan? So mentor, the word has men in it. (laughs) I always joke and then I get pushed back. Like, come on, Julie, you're being nitpicky here. Words matter and having men in the word, there's no surprise that there are more men mentoring and being mentored than women. women, Get a mentor, uh, get a woman mentor, (laughs) get a male mentor. I think, well, so just to say, I think that women who are mentees of men can teach men mentors a lot about how we communicate differently. If you are a good mentor, then you're open to feedback and you're you're a good listener and you learn from your mentee as much as he or she learns from you. So mm-hmm. I love that you said, I never even thought about that. How could I not have in the work that I do? Uh, men <laughs> That's so funny. It's um, everywhere. When you start looking for <laughs> every time we chat, I learn something new, funny, repeatable, shareable from you. So <gasps> oh, that's really kind of you. And yeah. to answer your question, I have engaged mentors over the years. And, and to your point, really wanting to mentor more diversely, diversify who I mentor as well. Uh, But those that have helped me along the way, a funny story I have is one of my biggest mentors, her name's Lorraine. She's had her own business, her own marketing agency for 16, 17 years. And I met her, actually, I was facilitating a women's leadership series with Key Bank, and she was one of their prospective customers that attended this series. And this was three years ago during the throes of my pivot point. Not, not, my, um, not the time when I was performing, I think, at my best, just because I was mentally exhausted. But nonetheless, uh, Lorraine and I connected, and I just loved how she thought about things, and I knew I needed help to pivot forward. And so I reached out and asked her, 
hey, could you be a mentor for me? And she said, no. <laughs> I thought, well, shoot, that didn't go the way I wanted it to. And so I thought, you know, more wow. strategic. I thought more strategically about it though. And I thought, well, what what would she say yes to? And so I said, okay, I get the sense that you've got a lot going on. I promise to value your time. I've just got my business plan for next year. How about we sit down and you can give me feedback on that? She said, okay, fine. You get an hour. So she's, she's from New York. She's very direct. (laughs) And I took her up on the hour. I was super prepared. I had it printed out. It's very concise in how I presented it. And I asked her for feedback on three specific things. And she looked at me at the end of that meeting and she said, okay, we can do this again, but you have to show up intentionally just like this with an agenda, things we're going to work on and you need to be serious about taking action on them. I said, yep, will do. So still to this day, we meet once a month, the first Monday of the month at five o'clock. And I generally show up with an alcoholic beverage for her in payment. And it was funny, as you mentioned, it goes full circle, the reciprocal nature of mentorship. I've since become a client of hers and she's helped me build out new online content. She helped me revamp my whole website as her agency has been an instrumental part of pivoting my, my brand to the next level. So what goes around comes around being a mentor. Often you find some hidden rewards and that's not why you do it, but a lot of times that's the way the world works. Good karma. That story. That is awesome. Um, you know, at first people might've been put off and not taken the, you know, might not have had the courage to, you know, take that next step and go back to someone who said, no, um, you and I are cut from a unique, but similar cloth, unique to the world, but similar to each other that we think no means no, not right now, but maybe later. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, I am so positive and I know you are too, that it's like, well, you know, maybe it was the, the day. It's just not the right day. Um, but how, how wonderful of her to teach you by doing, you know, she taught you how to be a strategic leader. Um, that is the kind of woman in business I would want to learn from and work with. So um, I, wa- I, I was about to say lucky you, but I don't believe in luck. We work really hard and we need to um, own our story and take credit where it's due and yeah. just say thank you. Thank you to mm-hmm. the universe. So, I agree. And, and don't let no be no. I mean, I, I really thought about what would make her say yes. And, and that's just a key thing to think about your audience and what drives them. And being intentional with a mentor's time is really important. I've mentored people that don't follow through on what they said they do. And you think, well, what a waste of my time. Yeah. So if you want a mentor, be really clear about why you want them to mentor you, what the mentorship looks like. I learned that lesson by failing the hard way early on in corporate America, having a senior VP leader mentor me. And one day she just said, well, what are we doing here? What do you want to learn from me? And I thought, whoa, I really missed out on the opportunity to articulate that more clearly and proactively. So never again, I'm not going to make that mistake again. Yeah, I think that's powerful that you... um mentioned that mentees don't always follow through on their end of the bargain. I I teach this, the mentor-mentee relationship, how to be a good mentee um, is important. How to be a good mentor is as important. Um, So I I love that you said that, that do you, do you let those people come back? Those mentees or do you say done? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a little bit of both. I mean, you have to be forgiving, especially right now. I have a few mentees that are 
wrestling in the COVID world. There's so much uncertainty. So give people grace, but if it becomes a repeat pattern where meetings are canceled or put off or, oh yeah, I said I was going to do that. I didn't do it. You know, I I just say, hey, when you're ready to be serious with this, you're ready to take it to the next level. I'd love to be here for you. Right. And just so kindly messaging hold them accountable. Right. And and I think that gets people's attention and they'll say, you know what, thank you because it's not a good time for me. You know, they give people an easy out, an easy way to. And make them want to come back to you. Right. Right. Exactly. Good job, Julie. No surprise there. Good job, Julie. (laughs) Let me ask you this. Um, I personally believe that women all too often out of their own insecurities, put each other down when they should be lifting one another up. So what do you think, or maybe a piece of advice you can give on how women can support other women in business? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're highlighting the tug of war bias, uh, that women are just as likely to have gender bias against women as men are. So we're not above it. This gendered world we live in that socialized from a very, well, from the womb (laughs) as somebody that's expecting a baby. I've got a girl in the womb right there. (laughs) thank you i just found out so it's exciting wow we have an announcement here folks (laughs) hot off the presses yeah so apparently I'm, i'm destined to raise strong women i guess it's in my calling for sure um, but no DNA. Well, and think about it, Susan, when, when I'm expecting, you know, everyone wants to know what's the sex, what's the sex, or sometimes they'll say gender and I'm like, I don't know, but I know the sex, you know, <laughs> just yeah. to make sure that's clear. That's pretty courageous too. Good for you. Good for you. But they want to know, right? We got to know boy or girl, boy or girl. And it's just this whole thing from our whole lives are built around this narrative. And you and I know in our work, we teach boys one thing, we teach girls another. And still today, I see it with my six-year-old. Girls play with dolls, boys play with guns and you know, action figures and things. And, and what does that lead to later in life when we enter corporate America and boys are doing and girls are caretaking? It's just, it just doesn't set us up for success. Yeah. But I say, I say all that because you know, to your point about women being allies for women and supporting and lifting each other up, you know, we're kind of taught through all this socialization that it's a man's world, right? We got to play our part in it. There aren't going to be that many women that make it to the top. We, we see that very early, you know, where women can be and where they can't be. And I know when I entered corporate America, I looked around and was like, where did all the women go? <laughs> and when you get the perception that it's just me and I can be the only woman in certain spaces, we tend to safeguard and protect that and look at other women as the enemy, especially as you get up at an organization Women are notorious for taking on masculine traits to work their way up. And then once you get to a certain level, especially, there is just one seat at the table for a woman, usually in HR marketing. Yeah. And, and so when that's reinforced in your reality, your perception and how you've been socialized, you see mirrored, it kind of justifies that behavior. Now, I don't think it's right. You got you to challenge that bias and work on your bias if that's you or you feel that way, because many do. And yeah. just knowing. We, we absolutely have to support each other, but the woman's problem is not just the woman's problem to solve too, right? Right. 50% of the population cannot solve hundred percent of the problem. So we need men. So one thing other than, you know, recognizing gender bias, the second thing I'd offer is men as allies is a no brainer, right? You do the math and think about who's in decision-making roles. We can't expect women to solve women's problems alone. We need our men as allies. So 
let's not put the ownership on women to drive this. I mean, what do you say to women who just, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, 100%. Why be an ally when you can be a champion, you know, be a sponsor. Totally. I, I want men at the table, but there are women who disagree with us. What do you say to them? Yeah, I think the pushback is great. Now we need men to help us again. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's, that's the challenge. Women want to think we can do it all on our own. And I got to say for years, I thought the same thing. I wouldn't have believed this message 10 years ago when I was in corporate America because I, I didn't want to have to rely on men. I thought I could do it on my own. Um, what we've realized is, you know, even we're at a record level of women CEOs in the Fortune 500, a whopping 7%. <laughs> I mean, how long is it going to take yeah. for women to do it alone? This isn't a strategy that's working. Right, right. I love, I love feminism. My mom was a huge <laughs> feminist. I was raised by a strong single mother that truly, she told me in the late 90s, feminists solved the problem everything's cool now. You're going to be good going into the workforce. <laughs> I believed her. <laughs> no. But if we think about how many men would call themselves feminists. Very few. It was right. synonymous with man-hating. And I, I have no issues with feminism, please. But the stereotypes around it and the pushback didn't really do us any favors for male allyship. So we've got, again, a pivot point. We've got an opportunity to bring men into the conversation help us facilitate, accelerate positive change. And, and Susan, the last thing I'd share on this is there are some great statistics have come out from Catalyst, McKenzie, you know, all the yeah. great resources we follow, Lean In. Um, Boston Consulting Group has a great study in particular that measured women's initiatives inside companies when women were leading them versus when they engaged men as allies. Oh, send me that or I'll yeah. Google that. Yeah, it's terrific. Um, 3x higher success rate when you engage. Wow. Men. So I'm going to take the chances on engaging men. <laughs> if it gets us further faster, I'm okay with it. I can't wait to read that report. Um, you know, I teach a class called Feminism, what it is and what it isn't, simply because of what you said. People think it's one thing when it's not, or um, they think it's oppression of men now, or man. Right. Yes. Uh, why would we have a problem with something that's been done to us and then think the answer is to do the same thing to the other, exactly. you know? Yeah. So I love the way that you expressed that. Um, and I love the story about your mother. I too, for a while was a single mother. So I have great respect for um, women who are in that position. Uh, yesterday I interviewed a woman who was a single mother and chose never to marry. And she is quite successful. And she recommended a book called All the Single Ladies by one of the greatest feminists uh, or modern day feminists um, out there. So if any of our listeners might be interested in a new interesting book to read, All the Single Ladies should be on your list. <laughs> That's great. Let's, let's pivot back to you. I love the use of the word pivot. You, you have pickled it throughout our conversation. So rightly so, because um, you are a marketing genius. But let, let's talk about the times that weren't so great. Maybe there was a big challenge or setback that you had or you faced. How did you overcome that? Yeah, I mean, I think over the years, uh, the challenge, probably the biggest overarching challenge I've had is how, how to grow as a, as a one-person organization, as somebody that shows up and speaks and trains, much like yourself, Susan, how do I grow a business when it's just me? 
And this is something I've, I've truly struggled with as an entrepreneur. And I know many of the leaders I work with struggle with is how to delegate other things when it's for me, it's my personal brand. It literally yes. is. <laughs> so one of my biggest challenges has been bringing team members on and really empowering them and getting them to live the brand and embrace uh, the business much like I do and represent it as I would. And that's been something, it, honestly, with COVID, I had to scale back on that. And I just finally got to that point where I was really, I felt like I had two team members that were really, really engaged and had clear ownership of specific tasks. And we were really, really starting to see yeah. some amazing business results. And then mid-March, just every, the world totally changed. And that's, this has been hard. I, I think this will be one of the hardest things I'll have to weather as a business owner. And it was hard. I mean, I think the first month I was definitely, um, I don't know if I'd use the word depressed, but sad wow. for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was mourning, mourning the loss of what could have been. I had just done a TED talk about gender equality that I was so excited to share and, and launch a whole new talk series on had my new book, Lead Like an Ally, coming out in April. And both of those things were kind of non-events, along with Women's History Month. Yeah. Really getting sidelined this year. I hear you. I, I was in the same boat. So I'll tell you, we um, sort of like getting hit by a train and then, you know, living through it and going, what just happened? And where do I go from here? And how do I, how do, I do that? I need to reconfigure everything. And the content that I have is still meaningful, but the delivery has totally changed. Um, but yeah, you needed to lick your wounds for a moment. You needed to sit with that, you know, sit with the feelings, positive, negative, and, and that crazy roller coaster we were on for quite a while. Um, I think you're coming out of it just fine, Julie. I think you're going to be great. Um, I look forward to promoting your TED Talk and the work that you do in the blog that I'll write about you. Um, so if it means anything to hear it from me, oh. you are going to land on your feet and, you know, I think you're, you're through the toughest part of it. I hope that I am too. Um, we are, if nothing else, we are uh, nimble, flexible. Women can right. weave and bend and flex. That's what I always say. Um, well, I love that. And this has certainly been a great pep talk today. I think yeah. too, knowing yeah. what we know about organizations and leaders that I've seen in the trenches, the tough times, weathering the tough times is what you needed through adversity. You know, you really learn a lot about yourself. You grow, totally. you learn uh, about what I can do to be different and succeed in the future. And most importantly, I like to think too, five years down the road, when I'm looking back, I've got through that, I'll get through this, right? It'll be a mantra I will have forever because I certainly hope something like this does not happen again. I know it might. It's, it's not might. over. It's not over. I, I know by any means, but sorting this out has been a huge challenge as a business owner. And well, let me say this to you that if you are hoping and hope is your strategy, that this will not happen again. You're setting yourself up for some serious surprise that may not be um, the kind you want or like. But if you prepare knowing that you are resilient and you have been through this and you can rebound, then you will be better able to handle the next wave of this when it comes. And you will have you know, transitioned your business to a, a digital one knowing that 
we will not hop on planes and travel all across the country like we did before. We will not right. on one-on-one -on -one workshops in person like we did before. Um, you do a beautiful job of using your voice online and through your books and in your podcast. So, you know, for me personally, if here's just an example, if I have cancer, I want to know I have cancer and what to expect will happen. And that helps me cope. It helps me, um, you know, sets my expectations and helps me prepare even for those things I can't control about it. So that's what I like in this too. It was a surprise diagnosis. It was like, I didn't even know how to deal with this. I'd never heard of it. The country's never faced this before. The world has never seen this before. Um, so we are learning the lessons now. So we have to sit with it in each moment, be present and know today as the close of the day comes, what did I learn from whatever happened? Even the things not in my control. So I have a good feeling about you, Julie Kratz. You will bounce back. And um, I think you already have, frankly, but you'll be better prepared for what's to come, even if it is a surprise. So when you, you. Pep talk, you just call me because it's, so, it's often good to see yourself through someone else's eyes. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And, and kind of resetting goals. I mean, one of the things that really helped me get through this was, you know, I kept looking at my goals for the year and thought, there's no way that's going to happen now because they were based on a future that no longer existed. And I took my vision board and I don't know if I'd recommend this, but I just threw it in the trash and I started <laughs> over and it was so freeing. That's so hard. freeing. Yeah. Yeah. So just get rid of it and say, okay, pivot. And I literally wrote down that word in the middle of my new vision board, pivot. Like this is the year of the pivot. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And I am sad about that. And I still long for that, but I got to let it go. And I got to embrace what's possible in the future. And I came up with some cool strategies. And I got, and I, I finally, I got started on some new ideas. And one of the things I'd share with the listeners, Susan, is, you know, that visualization of the future, that manifestation, you know, you and I know as coaches and trainers, how powerful that exercise is, mm -hmm. but doing it ourselves, sometimes I saw the benefits firsthand when I wrote down one of the things I wanted to do was write a children's book about diversity and inclusion. And I've been wanting to do this for years. And I just launched a podcast earlier this year about that topic. And I wrote that down and I was going back and forth with my girlfriends from business school and we were texting each other about just, you know, kind of complaining a little bit, <laughs> venting a little bit. And I sent him a picture of my vision board and I said, Hey, I just redid my vision board and this actually kind of helped me today. Just thought I'd share it with you. And lo and behold, one of the women in the chat uh, Sophie, one of my business school friends wrote back and said, I'll illustrate your book for you. Oh, that is so wonderful. I think if I hadn't thought to do that exercise and share it, she would have never known. And currently she's working on some concepts for the book. And wouldn't that be so great? Uh, she's an Asian American. So it's just perfect, like weaving in the diversity into the experience of the character and the illustration. And my co-author is African-American. So it's just like, this is so beautiful, all this diversity coming together. Had it not, had I not visualized it and chose to share it. That's amazing. What courage that took too. Um, you know, a lot of people probably threw away their, those who do vision boards, probably like, you know, back to square one. 
but haven't proceeded through the action, you know, the implementation of a new vision board. They're still probably, you know, trying to shake it off, being hit by that train I mentioned earlier. So good for you that you took that energy and you started over and you invested your head and heart into something new and now you've shared it with others. And your sharing with others is an example of uh, women who collaborate versus compete. So I love that. Mm. The fact that you're on the show, I mean, we both collaborate rather than compete. So yeah. let me ask you this. I have had new practice on my show. I have a box of very meaningful questions. And if you're game, I'd like to pull a card from my box and ask <laughs> a wild sure. question. All Go right. for it. I'm going to my trusty box of wise words and meaningful questions. And your question, Julie, is what do you think people waste too much time worrying about? Oh, well, that, that one came to me pretty quickly. Uh, what <laughs> other people think about you? <laughs> oh, wow. That's powerful, though. I think that's, I agree. I agree. Um, so hard. The FOMO. I mean, it just watching how you consume media, especially right now, that comparison game of, especially for women, someone's being a better mom than me. I'm not doing enough. I'm not enough. Look at so-and-so. I'm not keeping up. Answer. Wow. I mean, you just hit me right. That's, that's, I, I, so it's my mantra. Other people's opinions of me is none of my business, Um, (laughs) but you know, some days we fall and some days we say, well, kind of, you know, clients need to think well of me and prospects need to think well of me. Um, but truly you are your highest and best self. And if you can't control others, which we know you can't, you mm-hmm. must let that go. That is that is the best answer ever to that question. Um, you're awesome, Julie. Thank you so much for bringing your awesome self to my show. Oh, thanks for having me, Susan. You built me up, give me the, quite the confidence boost today. So thank you for that. Well, I'll tell you what, if I were um, a bigger business already, I would I would probably ask you to do some training with my clients. <laughs> well, when, when we emerge from this stronger, yeah, exactly. we will, we will to be continued listeners. You've got, you've heard us today. We're, we're committing to a partnership of some sort in the future. <laughs> I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Well, you know, I know that listeners are going to want to learn more about you. If they want to reach you, how can they do that? I make it easy. So the only thing you have to do is remember three words. Next pivot point. Uh, That is my social handle on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And my URL, my website is nextpivotpoint.com. And LinkedIn is where I post all my content every single day, videos, blogs, podcast episodes. So be sure to check that out. Connect with me. Say hi there. Julie Kratz, K-R-A-T-Z. Very nice. Very nice. Let me tell you, you certainly got your money's worth with that marketing degree. (laughs) (laughs) A powerhouse master marketer. Um, I listen and learn from you all the time. So thank you very much, Julie, for everything you do and for who you are. Thanks, Susan. Bye-bye, everyone.